You're listening to Run Hard, Mom Hard, presented by Treeline Journal and hosted by Nikki Parnell and Steph Moniker. We're here to listen and share stories of motherhood and life from the trails from mamas who run ultra marathons. We hope to be a resource and encouragement to all moms who continue to show up, run, and chase their dreams even after having kids. It's not easy, and we'll talk about all the hard and real parts that make up this crazy lifestyle. But we're also here to celebrate and inspire each other to keep finding their inner mom strength that allows us to show this sport new levels of grit and show our kids that so much is possible. Welcome to another episode of Run Hard, Mom Hard. Today, we have Tara Warren on the podcast again. You might remember her from episode 52. She shares a really interesting, hard, weird, crazy story today. Um, Before we get into that, Steph, how are you doing? I'm all right. I'm tired with a six, seven-week-old. He's not sleeping and trying to work and take care of three humans. And Aaron has been getting home at a decent time, um, like 5.30, 6 o'clock. Sometimes it's later, but decent. But he leaves at 5.30 in the morning, so it's a long day. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's started working Saturdays now, and so it's just a lot, lot of time um, without him home. Right. Like never ending. With, with the three little little with humans. Three. Yeah. But we're starting, Joanna has soccer tonight, and then she starts school this week, and she goes three days a week in the morning. So it's just, I mean, it's not all day, but something for her to get away and learn um, and be active and do that kind of stuff. So we're pretty excited about that starting, too. But I just feel like I'm, like... I have to make lists because otherwise I'm going to forget things and I'm just overwhelmed by everything that's going on. And I feel like I, I don't know like what to do like today. Now I just had a cookie, but all I had was like a banana to eat. And it's just like, I feel like I'm constantly trying to get everything done. And then I don't even take care of myself. I don't even think about eating. I didn't even have coffee this morning. That's how rushed Ugh. we were this morning. That is torture. I know. <laughs> oh my and that God. Doesn't, doesn't help much. And no, you know, that's how I'm feeling. But yeah. Totally, Steph. Well, yeah. I am right in that same boat with you. Um, there, it's impossible. Like, you just cannot keep up with it, anything. I know. At all. And especially, I mean, I, the same way. I'm always hungry. I'm always thirsty. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very rare that I feel fully uh, satisfied or um, nourished. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Well, even like when you, like we all sit down together to have a meal, it's like Henry will start crying and then I got to go feed him. And then like everyone's done eating and I'm like, okay, now it's bath time. And then I have to come down to like cold food. You're like, perfect. <laughs> Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always find... It's like you, you get the kid food on their plates and then, and then maybe like I'll make a plate for Chase and then I'll make my plate. And then by the time I sit down for my plate, A, yeah, the food's like pretty much already cold. Oh yeah. But then the kids also, they they want more, they want seconds or whatever. And then it's like, you just don't get to eat when you want to eat. I know. 
And I I finally told Aaron, I'm like, you can cut, like, you can do things too because I don't ever get to sit. Sometimes I look at him like, do you not, like, I feel like he's just so focused. Like, I know he works really hard and he's very physical, like, all day long. So I'm sure he's starving. But I'm like, do you not even notice that, like, someone's asking for more or, like, there's, like, more things that need to happen than just you getting your food? <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. Oh. Yeah. Life is crazy. Life is really hard. Yeah. 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 But anyway. And I'm yeah. trying to also, like, walk more and then start incorporating a little bit of running, just, like, a minute here or there. Um not too long but it's hard to find the time to do that I know I know well especially when you haven't you know like when when okay so pregnancy and then you know whenever you stopped running in pregnancy and then recovery so Mm -hmm. there's been a chunk of time where you're not like consistently getting in you know yeah four or five miles like every day and then it's all of a sudden like how did I even fit that in? How do I fit that in now? Like it just seems almost like impossible, you know, yeah. until you start getting back Doing in the it. rhythm. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, but it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. What about you? How are you doing? Oh, I mean, same boat. I am so, life is so full. I feel so just, I cannot keep up with anything. I can't stay on top of anything. I mean, I, I can barely you know, get food in the house or keep the house clean. I mean, the sink is completely full of dishes and it is every day, like, and every night, like, that's just like how it is. I don't know. And it's like, there's just dirt everywhere. We've got a treadmill in our living room, which is awesome that we have a treadmill, but we can't fit it in the guest bedroom that we want where we want to put it. Um, and it also keeps blowing out our, our, uh, our power. Oh, like no. the circuit, it blows the circuit. So yeah, it blows a fuse. Yeah, so that's fun. We got to figure that out. Maybe we might have to have a, an electrician come over and put in like a more powerful thing. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know anything about this stuff. <laughs> anyway, um, there's just a lot of projects that we're like, okay, we cannot even tackle this at all. We cannot touch this at all until like mid to late September when like slows down a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, like this weekend, we're going to Lake Sonoma to cover the 50 miler. And that's a whole, you know, weekend gone. And then Dash starts school next week. And um, and then we may or may not go to Wasatch. Um, Chase has signed up for the 100 miler, but we might not end up doing that because life is really hard right now. And it's sometimes so you have to, you know, when you're, I don't know, it's, it's really difficult and we've got three kids that definitely makes, uh, you know, that affects you mm-hmm. and, uh, and I mean, it affects the dads too. And, yeah. and it's like, you've got to be like in a good mental headspace to take For on sure. like a hundred miler. And I think, I think it takes a lot of strength to realize that maybe this is not a good time. Like, you know, you're not not an ultra runner if you're not running 100 milers you know like you're still an ultra runner and you know there's just there's certain times of life Mm -hmm. that it's not right and so we'll see about that but yeah anyway um I don't know I did really appreciate one of my good friends told me 
that I was like, I just feel like I can't stay on top of anything. Like I'm not doing things right. Like my, our house is just insane. And she was like, be very leery about people that look like they have it all together because there's something going on there. You know, it's nothing is as perfect as it seems. You're not the only one that's struggling with maintaining life. And, you know, so there's things, everybody has their things. Yeah. Something has to drop. I was telling you yesterday that our garden is the thing that dropped. Like there are weeds that are taller than I am and I can't go in there because my allergies are so bad. that It's just like, <laughs> there's no way I can even try to weed the thing anymore. <laughs> it has overgrown. It has yeah. taken on a life of itself. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Yeah. But, yeah, totally. I feel yeah. you. So anyway, it happens. that's where we're coming from today. Mm-hmm. Um, Before we kind of get into what we're talking about today, for those that don't know or haven't tried yet, we are partnering or we partnered already with Treeline Coffee and we created our own coffee blend called You Got This and you can use code RUNHARD10 for 10% off your order and it is seriously the best coffee you need to go out and grab some. (laughs) It's so true and it's pretty much the only thing keeping me alive these days not Mm -hmm. gonna lie at all (laughs) Nikki brings in like her French press to uh, (laughs) I mean I literally I'm like Tara sorry like hold on a minute I've got to get my coffee I went through full French press on this episode and I was thinking like a cup of coffee and she comes in with her whole French press (laughs) yeah like no 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 not just one cup (laughs) yeah so yes head over uh, there's a link in our show notes so you can check that out and get some good coffee and also we do have an exciting giveaway coming up um, here shortly in the next couple weeks so stay tuned for that look for that on our instagram page and that's gonna be really fun yes i'm very excited about (laughs) the giveaway Cool. Okay. But yes. So on the podcast today, we hear about Tara's recent um, experience running the TDS, which is a race over in Europe. For those that don't know, the TDS is one of the UTMB races over in the Alps. It starts out of Cormayor, Italy and ends in Chamonix, France. And it's I was looking, it's 145 kilometers, which is about like 90-ish miles. So it's Mm. kind of an odd uh, distance. But this year, unfortunately, did not go as planned. Um, We'll let Tara tell us all about what happened. But just to quickly introduce it, um, there was a death on the course this year, which is very tragic and sad. One of our running community members fell and um, did not survive that. And... Um, the race paused for all the runners behind that man. And so thousands of runners, including Tara, were sitting on the trail for hours and hours in the middle of the night. And eventually the race was canceled and they had to run back to um, the nearest town that they had just come from. And, and yeah, she tells us all about it. And it was a scary experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so let's get into it. Here's Tara. Hi, Tara. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you guys? 
Good. Yes. Are you, are you still like jet lagged? I know you just got back from Europe. How are you feeling? Pretty good. We got back, um, late Saturday, which was like an all day Saturday. I think it was like 26 hours of travel, but it all Mm. happened on the Saturday. And so jokingly we would like question the kids all day, like, okay, three, two, one, what day, what day is it? And you know, (laughs) it was the same day and they were so confused. Like, how is it still Saturday? But yeah, we're we're good. I think it was, um, harder going East. Okay. Stay like getting everyone to bed seemed easier coming back West. We're just all tired. So like harder to get to bed at least it's easier to get to bed but yeah it's you know we're we're getting there mm-hmm. yeah you're probably still a little funky and a little funky yeah especially mm-hmm. because of why we're chatting with you today hearing we want to hear all about your recent TDS experience um it just seems like a huge thing you have just gone through and so um we'll we'll get to the race but how was just how was flying over there? How was traveling at this time? You know, COVID. I'm just kind of curious, yeah. like how how it went for you. Yeah, I mean, good questions. Like, um, my my boys are now 10 and 13. They're pretty good travelers. They kind of do their thing, and you know, they're excited for their own video screen in front of them for like endless hours that we can't <laughs> take away. And um, yeah, it was a uh, we left. We we're supposed to leave on a like that Saturday. Um, later in the afternoon, we chose to go to Chamonix kind of later so the kids could start school on Friday. And then we, you know, plucked them out for a week. So that oh was, my gosh, that was okay. But um, so we were supposed to leave on that Saturday and <clears throat> it was a pretty laid back morning. My husband and I both went on a run and, you know, the kids slept in, we had a good breakfast and it was right. And, and everything was pretty much packed. You know, I don't know if that happens with you guys, but things are kind of packed. You just have to like zip up the bags and get all the rest of the stuff kind of mm-hmm. that what else do we need and things the um, last minute things <laughs> the last minute things you know the dog had already been boarded like everything was kind of okay and we get this message from the airline that was basically delaying our first flight by an hour and a half and it was oh. we I was reading the text going oh well wait a minute like how does that work because we would miss our long flight over um, connecting to Frankfurt, Germany. And so all of a sudden it was like crazy frantic mode because we live um, about an hour from Salt Lake Airport. And so knowing that and doing quick math, the kind you can do on your fingers, right? Not like very complicated. I was like, oh my gosh, like if we don't find something that leaves in the next two and a half hours, we're going to miss the entire, you know, day of traveling like it's not gonna it's not gonna work out there won't be another option yeah you know luckily it did work out it it was something that I never want to see again like we were throwing things into the bags hoping that we got everything and my husband would ask do you at least have your shoes do you have your pack I'm like yeah I've got all that and so we had those things and the rest of everything else like you know toiletries or kid stuff we could kind of work out on the fly so we grabbed an earlier flight. It was like two hours earlier and we just made it there right in time. 
So that's how the trip started. Oh my oh gosh. gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so this is fine. I don't know. Like, should we kind of go with this or not? And, but um, yeah, the smooth sailing, like the the COVID things were um, were okay. Like, you know, three of us were able to get vaccinated. Um, we had all of the paperwork for that. And the other, the younger had a negative COVID test. So we had to carry all that kind of not knowing what to expect and not really wanting, you know, big surprises along the way. But in Germany, it's pretty strict. And uh, <laughs> because we had an overnight flight, we arrived there on a Sunday, which was four days after the negative COVID test. <laughs> and it was like, OK, and they really um, it was kind of one of those things where they almost didn't let him pass through. Oh my gosh. You know, and I'm like, well, we left with three days on the COVID, you know, that 72 hour window that's pretty common when you're traveling. But because it was an overnight flight, the calendar day flipped over to four. Yeah. And again, it all worked out as fine, but there was just bumps along the way. We were like, oh man, like really? Cause it might say day four, but it was later in day one that we took it. So it hasn't really been day four. And it's just a time warp. The time warp in my head was fine, but you can't, you don't want to make any type of stink in front of these officials who have your itinerary in their hands. And so it was good. And that worked out. And we just flew into Geneva and then drove up to Chamonix. And mm. it's just like, you know, arriving in heaven, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're, just, you're driving in on that great little freeway and on that cool bridge that looks suspended and then you're there and you're like oh my gosh like this was all worth it and I don't know what day it is still but I am so glad to be here and uh yeah so that's uh what, what there. yeah what was it like in Chamonix like what was the energy like were you staying in like right in town mm -hmm. yeah we're, we stayed at the place we did um in 2018 which was and that was a coincidence that we got this place, but it's right off the main, I say the main drag, but like the main walking area, like right behind, it's like the Patagonia store and the Volcom mm -hmm. store across from the Solomon store kind of area. So it was, it's just electric. And I hate to keep using that word, but it is like just so many people with anticipation and, and dreams and, and just exuberance and, um, immediately that Monday morning, the, the, oh gosh, let's see if I can do all the letters, right. The, the MCC, I think that's, yes, the MCC started that morning. The PTL started that morning, like that Monday morning. Yeah. So immediately, like at eight o'clock in the morning, we're close enough to the square where you could hear at least the MC, not make out what they're saying, but you could hear, hear everything and you could hear the music and you know, the cheers and all of a sudden you're like, wow, we're in it. Like it's, it's happening. And wow, look at all the pastries. And <laughs> yes, yeah, this is really heaven. I think. So, Absolutely. Cool. Like, you know, everyone's walking around with running vests on, whether they're racing or not. It was like casual running vest day. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just, just fun. Just good. Yeah. I love that. It's, it's such a beautiful town and just knowing that this is such an international 
race. I mean, just having so many people from all over the world for these different races. Gosh, I mean, it's like you, I wish we could like bottle up that feeling, you know, for every other race we ever do, you know, <laughs> and I, I want to experience it in race form um, sometime. I, I've only been there when I was like 36 weeks pregnant. So, um, <laughs> But someday I want to go run those, those things. <laughs> I think it's an experience that everybody sh- should get to, um, should get to see or be around. I mean, it makes you realize that like this little thing of trail running, just when we go out on our own and run like five miles on the trails near where we live, like it's so much bigger than, than that. Like there's just so much passion and, mm-hmm. and, um, just excitement around it worldwide. And it, it just all kind of comes together there in Chamonix. And, you know, I've heard bad things about it, but even before I was out a couple of years ago and just about, it was just too many people. And then there's, you know, it's just too much. It's like the Super Bowl. but I, I never, I never felt that. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. there's people, but it's just amazing how they're cheering just as hard for that first person coming through as that last one. And not only that, like you've even got tears going for that, the last ones coming through. And that's, yeah, that's the perspective that I, I'm bringing back from that. You know, it's just, this is bigger than what we think, you know, it's not about, you know, it's just people all over and just love it as much as we do. Yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm. That's a, a cool thing to think about. Like when I'm on my next little run, (laughs) you know, just, yeah. I like that perspective. And so what, what day did the TDS start? It started a week ago, like almost to the, Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was a week ago. Wow. Three o'clock last Tuesday. Okay. Mm -hmm. So take us through the, the race, the start, like what was the start line like? (laughs) Well, I don't really know too much because true Warren form, we got to the start line one minute before it started. Oh my gosh. I know. Like, oh man, we just, um, you know, just had a hard time getting out of the condo and, you know, one kid forgot this and, oh, we forgot the keys to, you know, you have to go back up and down the elevators and, you know, (laughs) we thought we were good. We had enough time. And then all of a sudden we're like, you're getting off of the the turn to go up to Cormier and there's like traffic standstill. There's all these alerts on the boards in French. I'm like Googling what are, what are they saying? And it was oh like, there was like a two hour delay. And I think I had two hours to get there, you know, and all of a sudden it was just like, wow, like what, what's going to happen? What really is going to happen? And Luckily, we just kind of chuckled about it with, you know, grimaces on our face. But we're just like, oh, my gosh, like, is this it? Like, and one of my kids was like, well, what are you going to do, mom? Are you going to start anyway? And I'm like, well, you, yeah, I guess so. We'll just, I don't know <laughs> if they'll let me, you know, like, start yeah. behind. And so I was texting a couple of my my buddies who were already there. Good for them. And <laughs> immediately one was like, hey, they've actually delayed the race for 30 minutes. So that gave you a little breathing room because of the traffic that so many people were stuck in. Wow. So that was good. And, but then, you know, that 30 minutes went by anyway, it was just crazy. We're getting into town coming through 
and we didn't really know where to go. So I rolled my window down listening to the crowds. And um, this is just an example of, you know, you're just kind of winging it in life, right? Like it's, it's good to have a plan and, you know, maybe people think that I'm a little more put together than this, but you're just really just kind of getting to the start. And (laughs) (laughs) that's just how it went. And we could hear the start. And um, my husband had been there before when he crewed me for UTMB, but it was in the dark and I had kind of run through the area we were coming down. So we recognized some things and aimed toward the crowds. And um, I'm like holding my pack out the window, waving and pointing like to people who maybe cared to let us through and they're letting us through. And we drove like literally right behind the starting area and <laughs> high five my kids, kissed my husband, jumped out of the car. And um, I, I took a couple um Instagram stories and showed like they were saying in French one minute to the start and I was just I was just laughing like this is hilarious but I didn't have time to get super nervous because I had all that time in the car and I felt really warmed up because of how like ugh, like anxiety ridden I was so. yes and then I just I had to jump over these barriers and I think people were wondering what was my intent but I just um. jumped over the barriers and just got in the back of the line and um, off we went <laughs> in the back of the line, which I mean, how many, how many runners were running this race? So there, uh, I think 1600, mm-hmm. but there were four wave starts. And so I was in the first wave. Okay. And um, so I got the Anthem, I got the whatever ready, set, go and got to run under, but yeah, I was, I was just in the back there and um it was so cool, like running through Cormier and, and the the beautiful cobblestone um, uh, alleyways, lack of a better term, and just, you know, the hundreds of people out there screaming and cheering. And somehow my family had made it up to that. And that just, I just lost it at that point. And, and we both just kind of, my husband and I looked at each other and it was just like, oh man, kind of that. I can't believe we got here. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, that's, that's nuts. We made it. And and I wanted to yell out, no, I didn't get to go to the bathroom. You know, like, no, I'm fine. <laughs> so, yeah. And then up we went. And it was kind of a, you know, it was just surreal. Um, I, I stood in that long line for UTMB years ago. I, I stood there for the 45 minutes to an hour, soaked all that in. And it was magical and and awesome. This time I didn't do that, but it was still great and it's super cool. Um, and I, I, I might be wrong, but I'm thinking the majority of the women actually all started in the first wave. Okay. And I can't remember, like they explained it on um, one of the podcasts I was listening to kind of how that worked, but there was some like, I don't know, like reasoning behind how that worked out whether it was times or um position or whatever but there were like it was filled with other female athletes which was kind of exciting um so yeah that would be nice having a whole bunch of women starting off with you mm-hmm. yeah, yeah kind of like spirit I don't know you're you're just you're connected you're you're all doing the same big feat and you're starting from the same place and I mean that's probably 
yeah, that's just incredible. What did it seem like, was everybody, um, kind of chattering or, or, I mean, maybe people actually couldn't even understand each other. I don't know. What was it like? I mean, here in such an international field, you know, you're definitely looking, well, me looking at the flags on people's cause on their bib, they had flags and, um, and some flags you didn't know. And then also you're given like this tag with your, well, it has your, the flag of your country on it. And then also on the flip side, it's like a warning that you would put on yourself. If you were to take a nap, it says basically I- I'm purposely sleeping. Don't wake me up. Oh, And so some people had those attached to different, so you could kind of see where people were from and you would maybe assume what language they spoke. And you know, a lot of um, a lot of people speak English as their second language. Um, I speak Spanish, but, you know, I'm not like trying to speak Spanish with people. But there's not a lot of talk. Like even from the race a couple of years ago, I remember that like people don't really talk like it's kind of all business, even though there's a lot of smiles and camaraderie. It's just kind of, you know, let's go. That's we're yeah. going for it. Everyone's like fit and ready and you know, they're, they're not all aiming for first place, but they're all, every saw business. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's interesting. Huh. And how are you feeling in the, in the first couple miles? Yeah, I was so, so pumped. It was gorgeous. Um, we were anticipating like some heavy rain at the start. We'd had messages warning us to be prepared for all that. And it was just beautiful blue skies. I mean, probably in the, low seventies, high sixties, just great. Um, three o'clock starts. It was, you know, you knew the night was coming soon and, um, uh, yeah, I was super excited. You know, there were people taking selfies and whatnot as we were, we're going up kind of into this, um, ski area, like going up these different, uh, ski traverses and, you know, just everyone's jumping in in each other's pictures and just, you know, kind of playful and serious, but, you know, not really, having the same language. Um, but there's one thing like I did high lonesome a couple of weeks ago and the start to that was so drastically different. Like, and maybe this is saying too much, but the whole time when I was starting high lonesome and there was a pretty gradual climb starting with that too, I kept saying to myself, why is everybody going so fast? Like what's happening? Like everyone was just turning on the burners and, and just, like racing right out of the gate and then it's a race. I get it. But for some reason, as hard as everyone was going in this race, it didn't feel like too overwhelming. It felt just kind of like you're working hard and, you know, getting your groove on, but people weren't like going too fast, which was my goal. Like I always have to remind myself not to do that. I always got too hard and then I have like a bad slump and then have to recover and I just wanted to have patience and enjoy it and, um, you know, use the latter part of the race to catch up and and make up time. So I was, I was content. I felt great. I was, I felt strong. I was climbing hard. My poles weren't annoying me. And, um, yeah, it's just, it was good. Like it was all positive. It was fun. Just really fun. And then you're popping out around, these different areas and all of a sudden, boom, you're out. And then you've got like Mont Blanc, the whole massive right there, like on your right hand side. And you're just, it's just humbling. You're just like, 
what in the world, you know, just kind of rely on the fact that you're supposed to be there and that you've, you kind of earned that spot to be there and you hope that you can keep going, but yeah. you're just, just like, Oh my gosh, like, this is it. Here we go. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, oh, that's incredible. Um, one, one thing that you made me think of when you were sharing that, um, I just, this morning I listened to, Dylan Bowman and Corinne Malcolm talk about kind of the UTMB recap. Um, and, and just, I think one of their, the things they were saying was how, um, I guess they kind of like hope in the future that Americans will like, um, kind of respect the race or I, I guess, I mean, I mean, people do respect this race, but it's like, but the same kind of thing with what you're saying, like not going out too hard or, you know, really respecting this, these courses because they're so challenging yeah. and not, you know, trying to really, you know, show up ready, show up, um, you, you know, ready for all of that. And, uh, yeah. so I just was thinking about that. And, and I remember when Chase ran UTMB, the advice that he just kept getting was you can never go out too slow. <laughs> like you cannot go out too conservative because this course, these, these races will like eat you up, you know, yeah. if you go too fast. So good yeah. for you for, you know, kind of staying within yourself and all of that and enjoying it, you know, you have to enjoy it. And, oh, and that's another thing. <laughs> like, I remember from last time we had you on the podcast, Tara, like one of my favorite sayings that you said a couple times was that, you know, when you're in a race, like you get to be there and like, I get to be here. And you're kind of saying the same thing again, like just kind of in awe of the surroundings. So I love yeah. your perspective on that. Uh, thanks. It's, it's real. Like, I mean, I don't know if I'd ever get back out there again and you know, certainly me being out there, I mean, my husband's not out there, so I'm trying to soak in everything I can so I can explain to him whether he wants to hear it or not, you know, like <laughs> every, every detail, like, wow, you know, the, the grass sounded like this, or the rocks were like this slick, and man, the moss was crazy during this, and I mean, it, it's just so unique, and it's such a special place, and um, yeah, it makes sense, like, you have to savor it a little bit. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Were your family, was your family following you along? Were you seeing them at different aid stations? Well, and you might know this, it, I mean, it's definitely a little more restrictive mm -hmm. um, as far as where they, where you can give aid. Mm -hmm. um, there were three along, well, on the course, <laughs> there are three along the way where they could render aid. But I think, I think there were I mean, there are lots of accessible aid stations. They probably could have come to other aid stations just to kind of wave and hang out, right? But mm -hmm. um, they came for sure to the the ones that you know where they could uh, do aid because that's one of the trickier parts. Like the gear, the required gear is is a lot, and mm -hmm. even though you might be like a superhero compacting it into like this airtight little ball of joy for your pack you still have to carry your food um, unless you're planning on eating whatever you don't know is going to be there. So having them at the different spots 
was just a really good good thing just to re like give me more food you know like fill me that way so yeah it, but they provide so many accessible links and apps to you know have the right timing so they can follow you along and you know people at home can follow along and yeah all that so yeah good good so then what was the first sign that something was wrong in the race well um even before like that incident mm-hmm. <laughs> um um it started raining pretty good i would say i would say like about 4 hours in so that would have been almost at dusk so it was like about i don't know like seven, eight o'clock. And, um, it was still warm and I was, um, on a descent and I hadn't got out. I just had on like a shirt, you know, like a, a cap sleeve shirt running and I wasn't cold, but then, you know, you're trying to be smart with, um, preparing. And so I always have a 15 minute rule (laughs) that I always use in a race before I like lug out the jacket you know, rearrange my pack, all that stuff. I always check my watch. I'm like, all right, 15 minutes, because I know I can't get too wet in 15 minutes. So I'm like watching and I was starting to get pretty wet. And I'm like looking, I'm like, oh, it's been like seven minutes. It's pretty wet. And I'm like, I think I can just wait. Okay. No, it's pretty wet. And so I just put my jacket on and um, kept going. And it was like this six mile descent. And um, it was off the top of the, I'm not going to say all these right, but Chavanais, and it's it's just a beautiful um, pass. I think it's close to maybe around 8,700 feet or so, give or take my meter, you know, translation. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so it's a a six-mile descent, and um, from my calculations, it was going to be maybe about eight or plus more miles to the aid station. So I just kept running strong. I felt great. Like just, you know, you feel like a superhero just coming in, running hard down this after you've just climbed up this sweet pass and you're just running and feel great. Like I'm passing all these people and feeling, yeah, I can't even tell you. It was just gorgeous. And um, I was just excited. I'm like, yeah, this is just going to be good. I'm right where I want to be like the downhill and technical downhill. That's totally my jam. And legs felt great. Everything's positive. Um, then it started getting dark out. Oh, and then some pretty mellow climbs in between all that. And um started getting dark out and the rain started coming in really, really hard. Like, okay. like, you know, you're moving it off of your face hard. It's like you're you're really wet. But it wasn't cold. And then, you know, it started to get dark and I'm doing my calculations and I I thought I only had like a mile left to the aid station, but it turned out to be a lot longer and I got really, really wet and cold and I was too tired or too cold to get out my gloves. Isn't that dumb? Yeah. You know that feeling where you're like, I don't want to stop and get out my warm gloves. So I'd I'd rather get hypothermia. Right. Right. (laughs) That's easier than getting out my warm gloves. So, um, if I in getting up to this aid station was pretty unbelievable. There's always some um, 
fun things that they throw at you, I think, in these UTMB races. And this one, all of a sudden, you got to this point where the, the service road we were sort of running on stopped, dead-ended, and you could see people basically going up the front side of like a dirt meadow cliff in this what? Like, like a cow pasture. And so I just kind of chuckled. I'm like, all right, okay, here we go. <laughs> it, it zigzagged up this like dirt cliff. And um, I can't say how wonderfully nice and kind all the other runners were like helping each other. They were holding up different ropes and helping each other up. And even though we weren't communicating with words, like with gestures and, and eye contact, at that point, it wasn't like we were racing against each other. Everyone was helping each other. And that went a long way as the night progressed. And mm. getting to this next A station for me, although I felt like I was in a good place, I was severely hypothermic. Like I have Ronald's and my hands weren't working. Like I was, I was totally numbed out. And I knew that at that aid station, I'd have to sit and just put on my gear. And I was really frustrated by that. And um, I probably took close to 45 minutes just warming up. And at mile 22, it's just kind of crappy, right? Like, I wasn't discouraged because I knew I was back, but you're just sitting there and you're like, and, you know, you get the hundreds of people passing you. And I think on my record said, I think like 200 and some people passed me. Wow. Through that, that's just how quick the conga line just goes through. That's tough. It was tough. And I got warm and, um, you know, then you kept going. And so, yeah, that was mile 22. And then the miles just clicked off after that. I felt great. It was beautiful running the next bit to like, I think mile 37 was the main, the first main aid station where my family could be there. And um, that was, it's called T4, but it was basically, um, well, it was the St. Bernard, basically, Petit St. Bernard. And, um, well, no, that wasn't where they could be there. That was just, I guess, the gold aid station. They had, like, snacks and stuff there. But that was kind of the goal, and you reached a little town. But there was crazy cool technical downhill running, just the kind where your feet are just popping off the trail and you're just dodging rocks and boulders and just loving it, just cruising through. And, um, all was good. You know, the weather had cleared up. Like it was a beautiful night. The moon was out. It was like this gorgeous orange moon and, um, rolled into what is it? The, uh, St. Maurice, which was just four miles off of that. It was a beautiful town that was so into having the race there. They had like lights strung everywhere. Even at like 1130 at night when I rolled in, people sitting at all the bars cheering for you. And I'll never forget this. I'm like, I I stopped at this one part just to take this cool picture of all the hanging lights draped around all the buildings. And um, I stopped and took it. And then I put my phone back away. And here come my two kids, like, running down toward me. And it was just, it was oh, so wow. amazing. It was so weird. And there they were, right there. And that was um, that was great. So popped into there. Thank goodness they were there. Because at mile 37, I had no idea that that was going to be, like, the last time I would have had food for, like, 10 hours. 
and um Ooh. oh my gosh saw them and got what I needed changed socks a really quick stop and um yeah then off we went <laughs> yeah so, um so back to your question because that's basically the race that right that's that so we got into that aid station and left from there and it's basically about, I don't know, like around a 5,000 foot climb or so out of that aid station. Yikes. <laughs> over, yeah, over about seven miles getting to, um, getting to this pass. Um, there's one, and I'm going to, I'm sorry, my, I don't have French in my forte, but there's the, like a fort, the four claws that you pass through. Um, and then after that, it was like another couple sweet miles of downhill and uphill before you got to the pass where there was the accident. Okay. And, uh, I can't pronounce that, but it's like profonon, but it's this, um, one of the most technical sections on the TDS course. And I didn't get to see it. Um, it was about mile 41 where I could, oh, and you're just going up. Like you're, you're only seeing headlamps just going up, 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 up these mountains. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, like that's what I was there for. Like I was so, so stoked. I, I was feeling really good. I had a lot of fuel and it was just a really great time to just be out there and like, passing a lot of people and feeling like, okay, this is it. I'm, I'm ready to, ready to go, ready to put on the burners and work. And I worked really, really hard. And there are a couple sections that were somewhat sketchy, perhaps just going up that, but nothing that was uncomfortable for me. But um, there were a lot of people just within the group that slowed down to an absolute crawl going through these sections which were like going up Mm -hmm. and here in the wasatch that's just kind of like normal in Mm -hmm. our terrain and i'm not saying i'm like like great at it or the best at it but it's comfortable for me so i wasn't nervous around it sure there was definitely a large amount of runners who would come to like a full stop and stand still be and analyze how to make it through these sections. Okay. okay. And some of these last sections finally led up to you could see a line of about a hundred lights all stopped at to where it looked like this pass was. And I just kind of, you know, found myself there and I'm like looking at the people's bibs around me and and none of them were, you know, like I'm like, speak English or does anybody speak English? And no one spoke English and no one really knew. And just in broken ways were like accident. And, and that was kind of it. And that was, yeah, I got there probably around three, three 30, 3am middle of the night, middle of the night. So that's, that's the long of it. And so there's, there's that and everyone's just standing there very orderly no one no one was like mad or 
mm-hmm. or flat or everyone is kind of standing there quietly. Cause I think, and you know, maybe it's just me. I think that everyone thought that, okay, there was an accident and that, you know, just like if there were like a weather delay that, okay, good. Well, now we're going to go through, you know, like we're going to wait here for a second and now we'll go through because where we were in the race, there was absolutely no way to get off of that mountain except going like upstream more to where we couldn't pass three miles to the next aid station or going back the six, seven miles to the one that we just climbed all the way from. So we were right there. So that was kind of like, okay, well, we're just going to wait here. And, um, and we waited and waited and waited and hours went by. I think two hours went by finally. And by then everyone had out their emergency blankets. Thank goodness. That was a part of, yeah. our um, I don't know if this was similar to, you know, for everybody, but me, but I had just worked really hard up the hill. So I was sweaty. I was yeah. very sweaty. And, you know, after you've pushed for a minute and then you've stopped, even when it's like 80 degrees outside, sometimes you get cold shakes because you yeah. just stopped. And, um, it was, it was really frightening because everyone around me, I was the only female, they're like grown men all around me shaking hard. I was shaking hard. Mm. I I asked the German guy beside me if he wanted to spoon to get warm, but he didn't know what I was talking about. And that got kind of weird. So (laughs) I didn't didn't try that again. Um, So it was, I don't know, like, I can't, I can't even explain it. I like, I don't even think I could have felt desperation just because it was just like such a foreign thing. I'm like, what's really going to happen? Like, are we just going to keep going? Like going back didn't even occur to me at that point. It was just like, well, what are we going to do? Like right now, this is kind of weird and and borderline frightening. And I'm just trying not to like lose it. I don't Mm -hmm. know how everyone else is doing, but I was, it was just really it was just cold. It was just cold. Sure. Yeah. Well, and so were you getting, um, I know you're required to carry a phone with you. Um, were you getting any information? How? No, nothing. No information. We, we all had the live run app. That's, you know, the requirement to have that, you know, and, and to get messages. And I think, I think that there was one message that just said that there was an accident. Okay. And that was it. And, you know, hold, hold in place, you know, um, that was it. And, um, we, and and there was a lot of speculation at that point. Like there were all the volunteers there were just wonderful because there was a huge crew up on the top of that pass who would have already been there because they're set there to help people get down from what I now know is this extremely steep drop off that has like chains like guardrail chains to hold on to and i i have no idea in what manner this poor gentleman crashed i i don't know if he like slipped off off that because there's like a lot of wet granite with like muddy clay like slick clay sure but i can't i have no information on exactly that except for that he fell and that he was being like revived 
And, but we didn't know anything after that. That was it. So, uh, yeah. I just can't imagine just like sitting there waiting and not knowing. And then how, how long was it until you turned back? You said a few hours, but I don't know if that's until you found out more information or you actually like turned around. Yeah. In fact, it's funny. I was actually just looking through some of my text messages yesterday and um, I, I blocked out a lot of it because I'm, I'm really good at doing that. But um, <laughs> basically um, at, <laughs> I wish I could see exactly when this was, but we got a message. Um, so it was 819 Utah time. So that would have been like minus eight hours or whatever. But I think it was around four when I remember around that would make sense like around 4 30 in the morning or so it had been almost two hours maybe 5 30 anyway it had been a while and if you could read this it says neutralized race turn around on the marked course to BSM so I'm reading that and I'm thinking neutral are we like Star Wars like right that like it's been neutralized like so we're all neutral like <laughs> those guys and me were all neutral like <laughs> mean and then everyone just I could everyone just took off their blankets and started to like turn around and again there was no it wasn't like you know Black Friday sales like everyone running off to be the first down the mountain. It was not like that. It was just strangely calm and orderly. There were there were some people verbally upset, like mad, but I think a lot of people were just glad for any information at that point. Yeah, just something. But we still didn't know what happened. Yeah. At all. Um. I had, by this time, I had heard one of the volunteers in French tell this guy beside me, I heard the word, like, the root word casualty, but said in French, like, you know, casualidad or something like that. And I was like, okay, does that, does that really mean casualty or what? You know, I heard that and I also heard, like, the mountain had broken. And so, huh, put this together, I'm like... <laughs> And, or I'm not hallucinating. I'm like, so, so somebody, what really happened? So is the mountain broken? You know, like did the, something mess up with the trail and that right. we go forward? Like it's not washed out or something. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, nothing even has been set up to this point as far as that goes. Um, wow. So we all just kind of turned around and everyone knows the coldest part to every night is just the hours before dawn. And mm -hmm. um, as much as we turned around and maybe walked about 10 or 20 feet, um, I don't know how we recognize each other. And this is what's going to make me cry. My sweet friend, Shannon Howell yes. <laughs> was right there and we like locked headlights. And although, you know, we've been talking nonstop. We hadn't seen each other yet, even at the race. And there she was right there. And she was much further ahead of me up in the conga line up near where, like I was probably a quarter mile off from where the incident occurred, but she was much further up in that group. So she was just coming down too. And, um, so luckily we had each other for the remaining 
ordeal, which turned out to be multiple hours. And um, yeah, I just love her to death. She's just, she's great. And uh, I'm bummed for her race too. She would have been up there in the top women for sure. Ugh, sorry, it makes me want to cry. And um, I think all of us felt that. And um, so then what happened next is we all sat there for about two and a half more hours and um, sat in the same spot. We really? couldn't get off the mountain. They had somehow were only letting one person down at a time from some of those trickier spots that we had already come up. Okay. That were kind of okay, but maybe not for, I don't know. Maybe they're yeah. being extra cautious or extra cautious. And by the time we got there, which was about seven thirty that morning, oh, like a beautiful sunrise. And um, now everything luckily is in the we term because we got to be together, but um, they had put ropes out along this one section to help people get down. I think everyone was just so cold and cramped and mm-hmm. muscles just that were firing hard and pushing were now kind of locked and um, not doing good. And so we got, we got down off of that. Yeah. Like a little after seven thirty, and knew we had about six miles to go. And so we just kind of walked it in and soaked in every last minute we could because we were neutralized. (laughs) Whatever that means. (laughs) Whatever that, like there wasn't any real reason to rush down and get in the line of thousands of people getting bussed back to Chamonix. So yeah, it was it was good to to have Shannon and I know you guys have met her and talked with her and, and love her yeah. too. She's just a sweetie. And um yeah, it was a, a good time with her and it made it a little less bitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean what a gift to have a friendly face and somebody yeah. else that speaks English and yeah. you can just you just feel less alone in this really weird experience, you know, and you're probably feeling like really bummed and sad about the race, but also of course, very, um, you know, worried about the accident that happened. And so of course, you know, it's probably just a very odd place to be. Like you don't even really know what you're feeling at that point. Um, and, and so did you, like, did your family know where you were? Like, how, were you able to communicate with them while you were sitting, um, almost in like a hostage situation? Yeah, I, we, I hadn't yet. Um, I had all my notifications off on my phone and, um, quite honestly, I was just so like secretly panicked. I didn't want to put that out there yet not knowing what was happening because there wasn't anything that, I mean, you know, that my husband Bryce, he could do. And it was in the middle of the night and they had just driven like hours just to give me socks and a drink. (laughs) You know, like that was really it. And they, they sacrificed their whole night for that, which I love them for, but I hadn't. And I, um, I mean, it was so desperately cold out there we had the emergency blankets covered over our mouths and breathing hard into the blanket to create heat. Mm -hmm. And and at some points laying in the dirt, because sometimes the earth was warmer than just standing in the air. Like I can't believe, like it doesn't even make sense. The things that we were trying to figure out to do 
to wow. and um it was it was a lot i've been in some pretty precarious situations and races you know with different weather events but this was just uncontrollable and the fact that you couldn't move and everyone knows in a race if you want to stay warm the first instinct is to move you couldn't go anywhere and um and nobody did nobody tried to kind of like escape the group or mm-hmm. tried to go out on their own and like you know well screw this i'm going to go around these stupid ropes or you know whatever i'm i'm done because there were you could look down the hill and see literally hundreds of lights all going all in the direction back so it's like well what do you do you want to just pass everybody like right what what good would that do um and so I finally I checked my I I turned on my phone just to see and oh man I had so many messages like because people who were on the tracker because Utah time it was probably like you know prime time it was like 9 30 10 30 etc and I had friends message messaging me like what is happening like you know keeping it semi-clean here like are what are you okay like what's going on and and I almost didn't want to message because it just made no sense like we're just sitting on a mountain and send help or and, and there were people around me who were doing that they were pushing the SOS button on our app saying help us get us off the mountain um a lot of good that would have done but you know because they were so panicked and um finally after the neutralized text (laughs) i um i messaged my husband i was like so um don't i'm fine everything's okay i'm gonna make it but they canceled the race we don't know why so i think somebody's had an accident but we're not getting any information so and he's just like asleep, like what? Like no way, you know. Kind of, no, you, that can't be right. Of course, right? Like no, right. you're wrong. No, <laughs> that can't, no you've misunderstood. And I'm like, no, it's pretty clear. We're all going back, and um, that's that's it. We're all heading back to that last aid station where I just saw them, you know, hours and hours ago, and uh, you know, there were so many people around me that didn't need aid at that aid station because you skip them sometimes and didn't have water, didn't have food. And plus they were freezing. Like there were so many really hard scenarios up there that I really feel like, I mean, not sounding selfish, but are just kind of being swept under the rug and aren't really being talked about. Um, I think that the race organizers, they had to make a decision in a, in a hot moment and they did what they thought was right. And that's fine. You know, that's, we'll all be okay with that. And it's easy to look back now and to think, Oh, well, maybe it would have been better if this, or yeah, should have stopped people from continuing at that last age, you know, like all the things. And I don't, I'll never know why, but I don't, I just kind of wish they would talk about it. Like mm-hmm. a lot of the whole media, like all the people doing the media, like it's, it's just not talked about. They didn't do any race recaps for TDS. They didn't do any race summaries. Like my, my sweet friend, Alex, she got first female and, you know, she doesn't know how to talk about it, but she's like, what do I, how do I talk about it? Like, you know, like, right. 
because they let the people continue who were ahead in the race. Right. That's a whole nother controversy. Like, I don't know if they got to go, why not everybody else? Or why didn't they get stopped or, but they couldn't get, they didn't have anywhere to go. So they had to keep going. Like they couldn't get off the mountain either. So they had to keep going their way. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd heard rumors before that this was going to be the last year for the TDS. Now I'm, I'm almost certain that that's probably going to be it. Really? So, yeah. Wow. Why, why is that? Why the last and year? I, I had heard just because they're just working on the traditional distances. Cause you know, UTMB is kind of the hundred and they're kind of the hundred K 50 K et cetera. Mm-hmm. So again, total rumor, but um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Crazy. Gosh. I, I mean, gosh, there's so much there, but it's like, and yeah. And it's like, how do you even rec- reconcile all of this in, in your brain? Um, I'm wondering, like, were you able to eat? Did you have any food with you and water? Um, and, and then also I'm kind of wondering about the required gear list. Like, what did you have with you in your pack? And, um, was there anything that you wished you would have had? I mean, cause this was, it did turn into a very dangerous situation. Yep. And so what were you thinking about gear? Um, I had plenty of food and fuel, like, like liquid fuel and, and like bars and stuff like that. I had tons of food, but it was so cold that you didn't want to get your stuff out. Like, you know, it just, it makes no sense, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I think in my heart, I really thought we would just keep going. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I was in a really good spot in my race, like personally, And I knew like where I wanted to, you know, you've got all the, you're just so focused in on the end goal of this is why I'm here that you're like, oh, I really don't think I want to eat this particular thing now because we're just about to run. And and now it seems so silly, but you've, this has been such like a pinnacle moment leading up to this race. Like you don't want to mess it up by you know, I really want to eat this piece of banana bread in my pocket, but I'm going to wait just a minute. Cause I think things are wrapping up and we're just about to go forward again. And I don't want to run three miles downhill with a pound of banana bread in my tummy, you know, like mm-hmm. that's the ridiculous logic. Um, and, but I had tons of, I had, I was good on water. You're required to carry, I think it was like 800 calories, like, um, as in a bar, like, as in, I can't think of the word, like, um, like, I guess real calories versus liquid calories. Um, and you're always required to have two liters of water on you, but you know, at wherever you're at in the race, you might be down a liter or you might be down like, like those bottles are 500 milliliters. So you might be down a bottle. You might have a mm-hmm. bottle or, you know, you're always kind of in between that. So I think I had I had one bottle left at that point because um, you just come up a huge climb. So you're drinking all you can because, again, you're about to run downhill for three miles so, or so. Um, 
And then other required gear, and I might forget this. There's, of course, like an emergency kit. And in that kit, there's like different bandages and um, things you're supposed to have. But included in that is that emergency blanket. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd never even used one before. Like, yeah. I, I think of that with like road marathons, you know, how they'll put them on people after. The, I've never even unwrapped it before. And there were some poor souls out there. This girl that was in front of Shannon and I um, didn't speak English. She unwrapped her emergency blanket and it was almost like, um, I don't know what material that is. It's magic though. And um, she unwrapped it and it all shredded. <gasps> oh no. Like there's squares, right? And so she unfolded it, but it may have been older or whatever. And so all of the, it just shredded. Shoot. And so she had on this little cape of a blanket and was standing there shaking like hard. And that oh, was just oh my gosh. And another guy, he had a great idea. He put his and we saw this afterward, of course, not while we were cold. He put his blanket on around him, like it was always over your head and kind of draped around your core. Then he put on his jacket over the top of that. And I was like, Oh, that was that's a great idea. Um but you're also required to have, and there's like paragraphs about it on the website, like a certain type of um, waterproofed jacket. It doesn't say Gore-Tex, but basically you have to have it taped like the seams tape lined without the, um, the zip, like the pit zips, because that could allow water to come through. So it's pretty specific. Um, uh, you're supposed to have rain pants and a pair of long tights. Also, um, I had capris and I didn't get mine out because my legs weren't that cold. And plus I couldn't imagine putting on like tights that cold either. And I'm like, I don't know where I would sit. Like my legs were cold, silly, but you're like, ah, cause I think we're about to go and didn't want to, didn't want to do that. Um, I also had kind of oven mitt, warm, warm gloves compressed in my bag, which thank goodness I had those. Those were brilliant. I mean, it probably wasn't even, it's probably in the thirties, but it probably wasn't like less than that. Yeah. Well, it's still there. Yeah. Still feels very cold in those circumstances. And when you're just standing, Mm -hmm. that's hard. Yeah. sweaty, And it was clear and kind of windy. Um, other things like, oh gosh, you had to have an extra shirt, which I had already had on, like above just my, like my cap t-shirt. Um, so yeah, I basically made it through that with my t-shirt, my long sleeve uh, shirt with a hood and my little waterproof, but windbreaker. <laughs> yeah. And my rain pants, which that's crazy. It's amazing. Like, and we all made it like nobody from at least they're announcing really had any other tragic experiences. Okay. Other than some pretty bad PTSD, I'm sure. Yeah. And there could have been, there could have oh, been. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cause we didn't know. We had no idea. Yeah. And it just turned into such a long ordeal, you know, gosh, I'm wondering, um, did, China ever cross your mind you know so much in fact 
one of the ways, and, and UTMB did such a good job, like kind of keeping us all safe as far as COVID things and, you know, masking different places. And that was all top of mind. Like, absolutely. There was, you know, they did all they could, I feel. Um, one small thing that they didn't do is when you were getting your bib numbers, um, they didn't do pack checks. Pack checks to make sure everybody had their gear? Really? Yep. Mm. Just because that would have um, increased the queue okay. through the line. Um, I, I don't think anybody would have skimped on stuff because they said that they would be checking through the race. And, you know, running it in 2018, they checked. Like, they checked the most obscure things. And you had to have your extra battery or else you got dinged. But they, you know, I mean, if someone wanted to be a weirdo and not bring one of the things, then, you know. Yeah. yeah. Like they could have. And then that would have been bad. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So for UTMB, they activated the cold weather kit for sure. And I wondered if they had checked the packs for that just to make sure. So. Hope so. I hope so. Huh. <laughs> Huh. Um, and then we got back to the the aid station there, and uh, they had tons of food for us and buses. Okay. It was very, you know, anticlimactic. And Shannon and I took a selfie. <laughs> it was just, just, it was like you didn't DNF, but. You like, got neutralized. We were, so done. we were neutralized. And that's yeah. how you felt. You're like, all right, well. And then I think that, you know, there are other things that just, you know, you're coming off of so many different emotions. But we had heard that everyone got stopped, that the whole race was stopped. And then we got down to the thing. And I mean, Shannon's a little better person than I am. But I was I was bad. I was I was upset. Of course, I was upset for the poor guy who died. But I was upset that they everyone else kept going. I was like, gosh, you know, that's kind of, that's lame. Yeah. But, I don't know. But again, they had to make quick decisions. And that's what they decided. And yeah, well, <laughs> sure. I mean, yeah. And it, and it was a quick decision. But then it also still took a long time for you guys to actually get the neutralized text and be able to move again down back down and then so, to even get back down yeah to get back like down. the whole process back down yeah, yeah. yep and then what like did they every 20 minutes it seemed it was just it was rough yeah well did you ever like see the helicopter or hear it or anything I didn't hear it but I have one picture <laughs> and, and I could have been I could have been totally making this up, but the way that everyone's lights were shining and it, to me, it appeared, and that's why I think I was a little bit close. Like you could kind of see the kick up okay. from the chopper, but I don't know where that chopper was in relation to me. It could have been like down a thousand feet, but you could see just kind of the spin off of, I don't want to say dust, but whatever, you know, like the air. And you could see the lights. Okay. And that was it. Yeah. Okay. And and so they didn't. Um. I mean, even still, they haven't really said exactly what happened, or you yeah. just still have no info. 
Okay. And they, they were very generous. And, um, I know I posted about this on my Instagram, like they just that day after, um, they sent a message out to, I think only those of us who didn't continue on, um, that they were calling us, they are going to call us finishers. And, um, gosh, this makes me want to cry again too. They are calling us finishers. And what they did is that they created kind of an addended, an addended race called the TDS BSM, because that's the name of the aid station we went back to. And, um, we are able to pick up our finishers vests and, Mm -hmm. um, and also they gave us four points okay, to okay. use at a later date. Got it. Okay. For next and, year or something. Or, yeah. Whenever. And, you know, I tell you, there was something special about walking around Chamonix, looking at everybody else with their finishers vests on for TDS. And I mean, maybe I'm just the only weepy one in town, but I would like, I would like make eye contact with almost everybody I could and just know, Oh gosh, that we just had some of the craziest shared experiences out there. And, um, I mean, that's not really a consolation prize, but it sure kind of took the sting out a little bit, just knowing that they recognized that effort because it was not maybe an effort moving physically forward, but it was an effort to kind of keep it cool. And I'd say at least where I was in that whole area, there wasn't a panic and everyone was just kind and cold. (laughs) Kind and cold. Yeah. Yeah. And in a survival mode of sorts, which is a big deal. Yeah. Because, you know, we sign up for these races and you know that things happen in the mountains and tragedy can happen. And, but you definitely, definitely don't expect it. You know, I mean, I I don't think we'd like be signing up if you knew that like, you know, you really were going to enter a survival situation or things like that. And so it's just kind of, I don't know. It's crazy that you experience that with so many other people. Yeah. Yep. Magnitude. Yeah. How are you doing now a week later? I just still have mixed emotions. Mm -hmm. I wish for some reason, I don't know why I I wish the organizers would reach out more, but I mean, I kind of would like to know more about what happened. Like, I mean, this was a guy that maybe I ran with. I don't know. Maybe we pass each other. Maybe he helped me at the aid station when I was hypothermic and sitting in there for an hour. Like, I don't know. Like, who is he? Is he, I mean, I respect that maybe they don't want to talk about that or his family. Um, I just, I wish it wasn't just such a thing that was, I felt like it swept under the rug because nobody's talking about like, even the amazing athletes that ended up winning TDS, like that wasn't easy. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. just because there were only 200 of them didn't make it any easier. Like they should be celebrated just as much as the other winners. And it seems like that's just been kind of 
maybe I just haven't seen it. And if that's the case, I apologize. But it just seems like it's not, it's not being talked about. So, and, and I, we're, we're from a different culture. So maybe culturally that's a thing and I'm, I'm cool with that, but I just, um, but, but I'm okay. I'm okay. I just, you know, have some more energy (laughs) and, uh, yeah, just, I mean, I'm super happy that we got to go out there and experience what we did. Um, basically it was just kind of halfway and, uh, I I'd love to see the rest of it. I'd love to go back out and do it again. I would love it. My family loves it out there. We would, we'd go in a heartbeat, but it was a big trip for our family to do that. It was a big trip for every family to do that, mm-hmm. even individuals to go out there and do that. Um, and the sacrifices and personal sacrifices for everybody being there. It's a big deal. So, yeah, it is big deal. Yeah. Do you think that, um, like UTMB will change anything for next year or add anything to their survival kits or what's like required gear, I guess. Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. Like I'm interested to see if the rumor is correct about continuing yes. with the TDS. Cause that's the only race as least as I can recall that kind of doesn't stay traditionally with the, the TMB route. Mm. It's kind of it goes which is some of the draw because you get to see other stuff so i'm interested to see if that would continue on um i don't know what more they would put in their required gear i'm trying to think like i don't know like face shields <laughs> i don't know <laughs> what what could i have used i don't know like hand warmers that would have been yeah. great yeah i don't know like you just have so much already i don't know what what more you could yeah put in there but I think that perhaps they're going to learn a lot from this as to their like chain of command in communicating and how to how to take care of that because just different Colorado races I've run and you guys know like again the weather delays like they'll hold everybody up like they get after it like High Lonesome had a huge thing I had just come through the finish and not five minutes after I came through the finish, there was a horrible monsoon, like microburst, crazy storm that came through and they had to pull everybody off the course into shelter and it paused. And then when it passed, they took people right back to the exact place that they got pulled from. And, you know, but we didn't have that luxury being out there where we were. And yeah, I think, I think they might have some different plans, but I don't think it would be any deterrent for anybody to go out there. Cause I, and I've said this and I'll keep saying it. I just think that there's certain decisions that have to be made in the heat of the moment and that you just have to make them and kind of come what may. Mm-hmm. Right. And right. I think that they had the best people out there that were making those choices but then after, there's probably a lot of things they could do differently. And it's easy for us to sit back and say that. And I respect what they had to do. And, sure. Uh, well, and from my understanding, they've never had to do this before. I yeah. Chase said that there's never been a death in any of the UTMB races, which 
I almost was a little kind of shocked because there's just so many runners for all of the races every year. I'm like, wow, that's very interesting. So I guess they were, um, going through new territory too. It just, it's just very sad. It's very sad (laughs) that a life was lost. It's very sad that, um, honestly, like that it happened this year. I mean, it's like, it was canceled last year, you know, and it's like, we're finally back. And then it's, it's just very sad to have this kind of hit. And then also after China, what happened in China, losing 21 runners. And so it's, it's tough, you know, mm-hmm. and it makes you think. Um, I I liked you said in one of your Instagram posts that um, you said it was a chance of a lifetime to be back in Chamonix again and make memories that will continue to teach you every day. And I'm wondering, like, what memories and lessons are you holding on to right now? Oh goodness, I think so many lessons, like some maybe funny ones like survival skills. I mean, you can stay warm by breathing into your emergency blanket. Yeah. Like that's a big, that's, that's something that I don't think I ever would have believed if somebody told me that, like, and I just figured that out by standing there. And that was, isn't that, that's a weird one. You probably didn't expect me to say that, but that's, (laughs) that's, um, there's a guy beside me who didn't get out his blanket until like hours later he stood there and flapped around like a chicken. He flapped his arms and stomped his feet for hours. Like, oh my gosh. Like didn't stop because he was that cold. And I couldn't tell him in English to get out his blanket. But he, then he finally did. So the emergency blanket thing, that's something I might actually just carry with me like at all race anytime now because who knows. Um, Absolutely. Other just kind of life lessons. Wow. This is digging deep, Nikki. Um, (laughs) I think just, uh, I think just being patient and just, just believing in the, just the goodness of strangers. Mm. I saw that overwhelmingly that whole day, even before this took place, just the kind hearted, good people that are in our community and just trusting them. And whether we, were able to speak the same language, you could uh, communicate non-verbally enough to have a dialogue. And I think that just having the patience to do that without reacting mm-hmm. is something that I know I need to work on every day. Mm-hmm. So, just, you know, just kind of going with the flow and being patient. Um, there were two guys, I take back what I said earlier, Right before Shannon and I got to these these ropes to get us down this little precarious spot to where we could start like literally running or shuffling. Um, and there may be still about 20 or 30 people in front of us waiting to go down. Two guys decided, you know, screw it, we're done, which I think we all felt that way. And they went down like the face of what we had climbed up which on a normal day with regular legs and not frozen, you know, feet, that would have made sense. I would have, I honestly, I would have gone that way too and would have followed them. And I think that a lot of people would have, but for some reason, the hundreds of us still up there, we just all waited. And I don't really know what that means, but I don't know. It's just interesting. Everyone just kind of 
I don't know if everyone just gave up or everyone was just kind of like, whatever. But watching these two guys go down was, you know, was kind of like, wow, they're escaping. I want to go too. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I'm sure they were fine, but it was weird to see that. Huh. That's interesting. Well, I think it'd probably be, I, I don't know, you're in really uncharted territory and literally, you know, probably on a piece of trail that you've never been on and in a race you've never done. And, you know, just kind of, I, I think, I mean, I, I would not, I don't think I would be the one going off on my own in that kind of yeah. event. Like I'm, I'm like, there's too much. Like I, I need to stay with, with the safety, like with the group, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Mentality. Yeah. I don't know. Huh. Yeah. A lot of life lessons, you know, in that parallel for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, tons, but you'll, you'll keep picking them out as they, as you keep processing, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 Oh man. What a thing, huh? seriously. Yeah. You've been through a lot and, mm -hmm. and everybody went through a lot and, and I, I hope, um, you know, more healing comes for you and the other runners and, and, and the runners, family and friends, of course, um, yeah. that was lost. Yeah. Our hearts go out to them, of course, too. And so Tara, what was it like seeing your family after all of this? Were they waiting for you in Chamonix? Um, they, I, I called, I called my husband and I was like, I was desperate for him to maybe come back and pick us up at that aid station. Um, but it was, I guess, two and a half hours from Chamonix. So it would be a, another five hour trip for him. And immediately I was like, oh gosh, just don't, don't sweat it. Like just go with the kids, have fun. You know, but mm -hmm. there's a fun amusement park there that my kids just, I don't know, they just loved. <laughs> so just go hang out with them and, and, and do the thing. And, um, but it was a, we got back to that, um, to that aid station and it was a, probably an hour and a half to two hours before we were able to take a bus back to Chamonix. And yeah, and just, no, not, I mean, you know, just got off the bus and just kind of walked back into town and, I mean, it was, it was weird guys. Like we walked back and got like Shannon got her drop bag, like from the, the aid station that no one got to. Um, and, uh, people were, were finishing, people were starting to come in, finishing TDS oh, kind of wow. around that time. And that was, it was a little too much. Like I, I took a back road so I didn't have to kind of go through that and, I don't know. I just, I just wasn't ready to see that yet just because that meant so much to have that potential opportunity to go through that. I just had to kind of avoid that for a minute to be perfectly honest about it. Like it was yeah. just, it was kind of just bittersweet. I was super happy for my, my friends and, and like I said, my, my buddy Alex who, who did so well. Um, but yeah, I was just, I know it's just weird, just kind of weird. But totally. Well, it means so much. Yeah, yeah. Th those races mean a lot, and it it just it it weighs a lot. I'm sure. Yeah. 
and and you have an idea. I mean, it's kind of like it's kind of like um you know, labor and birth. Like you have an idea of what's going to happen in your head. You have yeah. your birth plan, quote unquote, if those exist. And, you know, like you just think it's going to go a certain way and then often it doesn't. And and so, you know, you missed um a lot of the experience. You know, you had a very different experience than what you envisioned you, of course, I'm sure you envisioned finishing with all of those people cheering, you know, the, that finish line is so yeah. special. Yeah. So it's okay yeah. to feel what you're feeling. You know, there's going to be a lot of feelings and I think it's okay to feel them all. Well, thanks. <laughs> Overriding everything. When I was out there, it was great. It was awesome. It was fun. The memories of just even that short amount of time it was absolutely fantastic. Like just great. So, so good. And that's, that's what I'll hold on to, you know, like it was amazing. Like those trails out there are just second to none, <sighs> just beautiful. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's the bonus. Grateful that I had the chance and have those memories. Mm. And, uh, yeah, now it'll just be special if I get to go back out again one day. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, good. Good. Thank you so much, Tara, for sharing this story, even though it's hard. Um, but I do agree with you. Like it does need to be talked about. This was a huge Mm -hmm. thing. So thanks for being willing to kind of open up this wound, I guess. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. So Yep. <laughs> I know you're going to feel like such a downer. Like, I don't know. Well, to it, but yeah, I mean, it just kind of is what it is. And yeah, we'll all move forward. And yeah. And it's, it's not about me. It's about, it's about the sport and about the mm-hmm. experience. And um, it was definitely a positive one outside of the bizarre circumstances and sad circumstances. So sure. Yeah. Well, thank you again for sharing your experience. You bet. What a crazy story that Tara has been through, right? I couldn't imagine just like standing there and hours, hours, hours and not knowing, not getting any information, nothing, just waiting around I mean I'm glad everything was like super calm it wasn't like a mad rush back um or forward (laughs) for that matter it's just I yeah her whole story and she has a right to everything that she's feeling too because she went through a lot and everyone did on that mountain too and right it's uh, it's very like there's a lot of like conflicting feelings there yeah you know of just disappointment because it means a lot it it, because like she was saying it it does take a lot to get over there a lot yeah but then also just losing a person of our community and so of course like you understand and then also just knowing that race directors need to make the decisions they need to make. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, just, I don't know. It's so, it's so, it's such a weird experience. It is. I know. So weird. Yeah. So <sighs> I'm, I'm glad she shared it with us. Cause mm-hmm. I think we can learn a lot from things like this when they happen. 
Um, even just, I mean, you know, the fact that she's always going to carry a safety blanket with her from now mm-hmm. on, you know, I like know. that's pretty huge. Like that was good to know that those work so well, yeah. you know, cause I don't think I've ever used one either. Um, come to think of it. And, um, <laughs> and then just, you know, being really careful, we never know what's going to happen in the mountains. So mm-hmm. carrying a little bit of extra stuff, even when your race doesn't require a gear list, um, mm-hmm. I think it'd be very good to be conscientious of that no matter what, because if you're in the mountains, anything can happen. Yeah. Being prepared for everything, every possibility, even if it's extra gear that you have to carry, like if, when it comes down to it, if it's extra gear you have to carry versus your life, like, yeah, you probably choose your life. (laughs) Yeah, probably, probably. And especially when you're a mom of the time. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so so, I don't know, we, we just hope, um, that Tara gets some R and R these next, uh, couple weeks and has a wonderful fall and can roll in this fitness to something else. Maybe, you know, if there's another race that catches her eye and I know she's going to, um, go off and, um, keep doing awesome things because she's awesome and really strong um, for getting through this. And yeah. And I don't know, I just sending out good wishes to everybody that went through this experience, mm-hmm. you know, whether you were in the front of the race and you finished and that's great, but then you're also sad and, you know, there's kind of a, a like a darkness kind of over, mm-hmm. over the race. It doesn't feel maybe as exciting because of the tragedy, which, you know, and then I also am just sending, uh, you know, good energy to like the check runners family and friends. Mm-hmm. And then, and then all the people that were on the tail end after that accident. And sure. yeah. So as usual, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. If you enjoy our conversations, that means so much to us. And you can also subscribe to Treeline Journal's newsletter, which is found at treelinejournal.com. We send out one email a week with the latest articles and episodes so you can stay in the loop. And you can follow us on Instagram at runhardmomhardpod. You can email us at runhardmomhard at gmail.com. Or you can leave us a voice message using the anchor link in the show notes below. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And then we'd love to hear you know, what you think of the podcast. And it also lets other people find us a little bit easier. Yes. Yay. Please. Thank you. Yeah. And we will be in touch with all of you guys soon. I got to do that blooper thing too. Don't let me forget. I need to write these things down. Otherwise I'm going to forget. Don't let me forget. Don't forget stuff. Okay. I'll try I'm not promising anything, but no. I wrote it down. So it's, it's I not- don't promise anything ever, any, any ever. <laughs>